and you're going to have a kingdom. Can you do me a favor that when you get into your kingdom, I want one of my sons to sit at your left hand and I want one of my sons to sit at the right. Now, I don't fault her for being a good mother. Every mother wants the best for her child. But what she is essentially saying is the same thing that most of us say in in church all over America and we don't really know what we're saying, we say, Lord, I follow you and I believe in you, but honestly, I'm really following you for what I can get out of it. I'm really following you for the benefits. I tithe and I give my 10%. I, I give more than that, but I don't give it out of my heart. I give it because I want a blessing. I, I show up at church, but I only show up at church simply because they're doing the things that I like, and I'm getting my needs and my agenda met. And when I get my needs and my agenda met, I show up. I'm showing up to consume, but I'm not showing up to serve. You will notice this in many people because as you begin to ask them to do things in the church, they'll show up and they'll attend. And I'm not talking about this church. I need to give that disclaimer. We have a very loving family, and I'm very grateful for the people that pull in and work. But all across Christendom, we have people that are really willing to consume, but very rarely are they willing to what? Serve. It's, it's not hard to find people to come eat, but it's hard to find people to fix food. It's not hard to to find people to show up to things sometimes, but it's hard to find people that'll watch the door or or be security, Brother Bob, or or, or somebody that's standing by that that, that little thing slipping a switch for people to come up and down. Because why? We love God, but we're always still concerned about our what? Self. And so now the disciples have got mad. They've got mad because how dare you? We all have been here with Jesus, and you're going to try to get ahead yourself. You're going to try to get your own position. You're not worried about me. And, and, and so they're mad. And if you can see this, that they've overheard what's happened. And if you read the book of Mark and Matthew, you notice that they've heard what Je- this, these guys' mothers have said to Jesus, and they ticked off about it because that's the position they wanted, really. Under, uh, and and that how dare you ask for something before I could get it. And Jesus told them it wasn't there. So can you imagine them going down the road and, and James and John walking, but everybody else is walking a little bit further away from James and John? You know how you do when you go to Walmart or someplace and you see somebody you don't like and you know you saw them, but you try to pretend that you didn't and turn around and go the other aisle because you're trying to avoid them nicely or, or somebody says something to you or they call you or text you and you just conveniently forget to answer the phone or the text and you give that old ever-present lie. I'm sorry, I didn't see that. There must have been something wrong with my phone. I, I dropped my phone. Or, Has anybody ever done? something like that <laughs> they they got a problem with James and John not uh, because they want the first number one spot and so down the road they're grumbling the entire time they back there arguing who you think you are who uh, what do you think you do, you doing we all following Jesus who what makes you think that you deserve to be at the top I should be at the top and I was here first I was the one that first found Jesus I went back and got my brothers and these other people I've been with Jesus you know what I, I tell you what have you ever noticed that I'm special because when Jesus comes he only takes me James and John he put the rest of you jokers outside here so I'm, I'm closer to Jesus than he is I'm closer to the pastor than you are he spends more time with me and, and so I I serve because I feel like I'm getting something out of it. But God is calling us to shift our paradigm and our way of thinking because then he looks at them and he, after a while, he asked them in the book of Mark, he said, so what have y'all been grumbling about? He knows very well what they've been grumbling about. They are jockeying for position in the church. And Jesus looks at them and he says this. He says, 
I like the way that Jesus does stuff. Sometimes he doesn't always just directly deal with stuff. He 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 kind of gives a story and, and, and lets them catch the hint before he really reaches around and hits them with the sledgehammer. He kind of softens the blow a little bit. He said, you know, that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. And, of course, they say, well, that's right, Lord. We don't like religious people. We don't like the critical people. You know, we, don't, we don't like those. And he said, but that's not to be so with you. In other words, I see something in you that I do not like. He says, instead, whoever wants to become great, he never said there was something wrong with wanting to become great. God put greatness on the inside of you. And now the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. But you don't want to be great because you made yourself great. You want to become great because you made yourself small. When Paul, his name was changed from Saul to Paul, Paul means small. Did you know that? That Saul went around persecuting Christians and doing all sorts of things. And when he decided to pick a new pseudonym for himself and name himself Paul, Paul means small. And you see Paul all the time saying, I am the chief of sinners uh, or I am the worst of sinners. Paul doesn't look as, as anything to be attained for himself. Everything he does is with a mindset of servant, servant servitude and service. And, and Jesus says, not so with you. Instead, who wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. That Jesus turns our thinking on its head because most times we feel like when we get to the top, it's everybody else's job to serve us. But Jesus is trying to create a culture where everybody in his church is saying, how can I help you today? Have you ever been to Chick-fil-A? Chick-fil-A, I, I believe one of the reasons this is a plug for them, that, that they are so successful. One, is because they honor God and their clothes on Sunday. But no matter where you go, I guarantee you, you will never find the level of service that you find at Chick-fil-A. When you go in there, it's not like Walmart where they're looking at you like, like you're wrong for walking in the door. And, and they, they put up a whole bunch of bins where you got to go serve yourself because they don't want to serve you anymore. And if you ask them something and your checkout line is going, they look at you like you got the plague. Like, I don't work here. I just get a check. I don't work here. How dare you come in here and actually ask me to do something for you? I'm just here for the money and, and things like that. And sometimes there are churches like that all over America. People, how dare you ask me to feed the poor? How dare you ask me to do something besides show up to church and pay a little money. I've got a job. I've got other things to do. I'm not here to serve. Who do you think I am? That we have that Walmart mentality, but God is calling us to have that Chick-fil-A mentality that I don't care what kind of day they're having. Go to a Chick-fil-A, and the first thing they're going to say is, hey, how are you doing? It's my pleasure to serve you. And they're quick and they're efficient with it and they don't have to do it. And I'm pretty sure statistics would tell you that some of them have headaches some days. Some of them don't feel good some days. So what that tells me is that how well you serve has nothing to do with how you feel. Sometimes you don't feel like serving. Sometimes you don't feel like getting up and doing things. But if God has called you, God didn't call you for your feelings. 
God didn't call you for how you feel. I like this right here on the pulpit because it says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. I'm going to break that down for you. It says we walk by what we believe and not by the sensual or how we see. Sight is the senses, what I can see, what I can feel, what I can touch. Sometimes you might not feel like coming to church. That's okay. You don't have to be honest. But I know sometimes you don't feel like getting out of bed. But God didn't call you to serve him when he when you feel like it. He called you to serve him even when you don't. The Bible says be instant in season and out of season. You know what that says? Timothy, I want you to preach the word when they want to hear it and they're telling you good sermon and good job and you feel good about this series. And I want you to still keep preaching when you start talking about their baggage and they get mad at you because you all up in their Kool-Aid and they really don't want you in their business like that. And they, they giving you the side eye. Nobody hugs the pastor after the service. Then everybody just walks out the door and gets real quiet. Yeah, I pay attention. But at the same time, that God, I want you to do it. And I don't want you to preach based off of how people look at you. Because if you're going to serve them, you're going to give them what's best for them, regardless of how they feel and how you feel. I'm so glad. And, and you ought to be glad that you have people that love you enough that will tell you the truth and don't care how you feel about it. That doesn't mean they have to be belligerent. That doesn't mean they have to be mean and angry. But their gift is to serve you. And if you're going to serve, Paul is talking in 1 Corinthians 12 in our backdrop of our series. He's telling them you're very gifted, but what you're doing is not working because your heart's not right and you're not serving with love. He says in 1 Corinthians 13, if I have the gift of all prophecies and miracles, if I can give my body to be burned and cast into the fire, but I don't have love, it doesn't profit me anything. The key is not just how you, what you do to serve, but how you serve. So when you're learning these things and you're learning and writing down and reading and studying this stuff, you're studying this with the heart and the mindset, not just I can feel it, figure out how God made me, but God, I love you. And because I love you, I want to find out where I fit and how I can serve. And I'm going to serve you with gladness. The, the Psalm says what? Serve the Lord with what? Gladness. Enter his gates with what? thanksgiving into his courts with praise be thankful unto him and bless his name is there anybody that came to bless the name of Jesus today <laughs> you can bless him with your service I talked to Brother Dave. We're about to do something. We have AA coming in, and AA comes in here faithfully. And some of those people, although they have never come inside the building, they're very grateful to us, and they give sometimes to our ministry. What I want to do is turn. I've been praying to God, Lord, help me find ways that we can serve. Give me a group of people that I can serve. And I was in prayer. I told Brother Dave, and God said, some are right in front of your face. I don't know if you've ever come out here when AA is out here, but you can't get in the parking lot. The parking lot is filled on Mondays. It's filled on Wednesdays. It's filled on Fridays. And you have a good bit on Sundays. What I want us to do, I want somebody to get an initiative. I'm not going to tell you who, but I want somebody to take the initiative to say, hey, let's get some hamburgers and hot dogs. When is Sunday sobriety here? We don't want anything out of it. And what we're going to do is when they show up, we're going to have food and just say, we bless them for the church. We don't want no ulterior motive. You ain't got to come to our church. You ain't got to do that. But we just want to know, let you know that God loves you. I want somebody that's retired and you know you don't have anything to do on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays to sign up and say, yeah, I can do that on a Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. It's not a consistent commitment. It's just one time just to get ourselves in the mode of being outside of ourselves, to be outwardly focused, 
to care about other people's needs other than our own. It's good to want to do some things in your church. It's good to have your budget to where you can serve the people that are on the inside, but I submit to you that a larger part of your budget should be to serve the people that are what? On the outside. Your missions budget should be huge. And not just to send to people. Yes, we, we send money to Nepal and other places. Yes, we do Operation, I'm going to say it wrong, Shoestring or Shoebox and Samaritan's Purse. We do all those things. I always get it mixed up. It's not that I don't care. It's because my wife keeps that stuff that all, all in order for me. And so she's correcting me right now. But we do all these types of things. That's great. But God has called us to this community. It's time for us as a community to find different ways that we can serve in our community. You don't know this, but I I've already bought a t-shirt machine, so it won't get too expensive for t-shirts. We can make our own t-shirts now. We can print our own t-shirts, and we can get out and put on whatever t-shirts we want and go out into the community, and if it's nothing but handing a kindness card to somebody and just saying, hey, how you doing? Jesus love you, or maybe just take the time to walk down through downtown Royal Oak. Uh, one day, Dalen and I were sitting having coffee, and and we came out, and there were some people in a movement, and they didn't know we were Christians. And you know what? They were in downtown Royal Oak, and I asked them, and we talked for about an hour on the street corner. You know what they were doing? They were from all sorts of cities, and they had decided to get together and walk down the streets of Royal Oak just praying for people. And they were doing stuff to gather attention. Some, one of them was on rollerblades and things to draw attention to people. Why were they doing that? Because when they drew attention, they began to start praying with people on the street corners, giving them the love of Jesus, connecting with those people. Those are the types of things God is calling the church to do. If you want to be great, be a servant. The way to be great in the kingdom of God is not to wait till the church fills up and then jockey for a position like those guys did. The way to be great in the kingdom of God is to work with it from the ground up. And when it's there, it's a natural inclination to say, you've been working here from the beginning. How about I just go ahead and help you create opportunities to serve? We look at the gift of helps because this is an awesome empowerment by the Holy Spirit, and it's much needed assistance. It's a supporting gift. I don't know if you know it, but pastors, I have pastor friends all over, over the country, and they need your support. They need your help. Did you know that 1,500 pastors a month leave not just the church, but leave the ministry, never to return? That 80% of pastors suffer from anxiety and depression. 80% suffer from anxiety and depression because they feel like they're worthless and they come into their congregations and they work their fingers to the bone while they watch their members sit and criticize the stuff that they didn't get done. Because they got a church full of spectators and no participators. Now, that's not always the case, but a lot of pastors feel like they're spinning their wheels because they have visions. God has given them to do so much stuff, but most people that you get them, you can only get them to come. You're doing good if you can get them to come to church and go home. They'll find any reason and every reason just not to come to church. And so pastors, pastor suicide, did you know that's up? I'm happy. I'm smiling. I love you guys, but pastor suicide is up. You know why? Because there are many people in the church that have gifts that they're sitting on, and pastors feel overwhelmed. You know how you tell that? 
if you got a culture where everybody can tell you what's wrong and, and, and you hear statements like this, you know what? That stuff's been broken for years. Nobody's ever fixed that. They messed that up, and that's all they've ever done, and all they do is break stuff and fix stuff. They always have doing stuff. Don't you realize you're a part of they? If they didn't do it, that means we didn't do it. And I'm spending the time talking about why it didn't get done instead of taking the time to learn my gift and serve. Turn it on its head and, and turn it into service and action. It's easy to Monday morning quarterback. It's easy to criticize somebody when you're not doing nothing. It's easy to say, and that's why service is good. Did you know one of the most fulfilling things in the world is service? If you don't believe me, start giving. Start being a generous giver. Start just looking and sitting with people and saying, you know what, look at that person over there. I, I just want to buy that person's lunch. There's no greater love than to know you did something for somebody and they don't even know about it. Or to be, I just want to bless this person. Or I want to find a need to feel. I want to give back like it's been given to me. Some of the most fulfilling things in your life are found outside of yourself. And the world teaches you the way to be happy is to continue to get, 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 consume, consume, consume. The more you get, the more you want. Got to have a bigger house. Got to have a bigger car. Got to have, uh, have more friends. Got to have this. Got to accomplish this. And then people get to the top of the ladder to realize they're on the wrong roof. And then they jump off the roof and commit suicide because they realize the money they were looking for never made them happy. They're not happy because only the only way you're going to be happy is if you begin to be used how God wants you to be used. And you begin to serve other people other than your Jesus said they have a religious system in the church. I'm, I'm paraphrasing that, but go back and read it. You can, you can check me on that. They have a religious system in the church that they lorded over. These are the rulers of the Gentiles. These are the church folks. He said, you know, the people in the, in the church now, they, they, they come. He's talking about the Gentiles. This is, this is the church of the day that, you know, they lorded over them, and they come to see how big they can be and how, how, how many programs. You know why there's no chair up here? A lot of people put chairs up here for pastors and people to sit and dignitaries to sit. There's a, a unique reason why I don't put it there. Because there's nobody in here that's a king. There's nobody else that's separated. I don't want them to be able to come in the door and figure out who the pastor is. We should be loving and serving so much that nobody knows who the pastor is. Because everybody's acting like the pastor. Everybody's loving like the pastor. Do you ever think about the fact that when they went to Jesus, as famous as Jesus was, Judas had to kiss him to tell him who he was? Why? Because they couldn't pick him out of the crowd. Those same qualities that we look for in a pastor should be those same qualities that we look to see in ourselves. If we want our pastor to go visit the sick, we need to be visiting the sick. If we want our pastor to pray for us, we need to be praying for others. If we want our pastor to give of all their time, then we need to be giving of our time sacrificially. We should want to give everything we want to receive from our pastors because if we're not, we're not being the church that God has called us to be. I saw a sign one time that said, if you're not getting anything out of your church, ask yourself what you're putting into it. This has never failed me. I've been in the church 40, 40 plus years and nine months. I've been, I've been in the church since I was born and before I was born. And I always noticed something. 
and that it isn't in this church, thank God. But I just want to give this truth for somebody else who may be listening. The people who always complain about, about where the money going are the people who never give. The people who complain about what the pastor ain't doing, never doing anything. That's why they're complaining. Because they ain't got nothing to do. <laughs> it's okay to laugh. <laughs> if they were busy doing what God called them to do, they wouldn't have time to criticize. It's easy to always say what everybody else's problem is, but I like this miraculous gift of helps. It's a supporting gift. It says as ministry grows, so does the need for support and help. And this is a joyful act where someone serves with fervor, and everybody looking at it says, no, complaining. Those are the people that can help work like a dog and don't have to announce that they work and don't complain about it. They're happy to do it. God has empowered them for gifts of service to do great things. Not those that work, but secretly complain on the inside because they're not getting the recognition they feel like they deserve. That, that's not the gift of help. Those are those people that serve and they look for nothing back. They serve and they look for nothing in return. They serve and they look for no recognition except the fact that Jesus saw them. That's why Jesus said that not your left hand know what the right is doing. It's not that people can't see what we're doing because obviously the word says let your light so shine that men see your good works and glorify your father. He's not telling us to hide what we're doing as Christians. As a matter of fact, we should, we should promote what we're doing as Christians so that God can be glorified. But what he's telling them is look at your motives. Why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you serving? Like, is this helping anybody? It's a supporting gift. That's why people that have the gift of helps are very important people, especially in today's church world, because there are a lot of pastors that need help. I thank God for you. I thank God that we have good people around us that help us make stuff happen. All this stuff could not happen without a good team. But I guarantee you this is a trustworthy saying that in every church, about 20% of the people in the church are doing all the giving, and 20% of the people are doing all the working. And the other 80% just show up when they get ready, and they criticize the other people that do. And God doesn't want that in the body of Christ. He wants it to be equal across the field, that everybody does their fair part, that everybody serves the Lord with gladness, that everybody gives. Do you realize that if everybody in the church would just give 10% of their income, there would be no financial need in the church? If everybody in the church would give just 10% of their time, there would be nothing in the church that would not be undone. I'm talking about the church at large. God is calling us to serve. Amen? We see these examples, and I want you to look at these later. One who is considered uh, a minister or a servant. Most times we think that somebody has to lay their hand on you and, and, and declare you a minister. But if you're saved, you're a minister. God has called you to minister. He's called you to serve. That's what ministrare or minister means is to serve. And, and this, I want you to look at this. It's uh, how all these people, Paul, as influential as Paul was, Paul could not accomplish what he accomplished without people and support around him. There were people giving them housing. There were people that were helping to feed them. There were people that were giving. And in the Macedonian church, he even mentioned the church in the Macedonian call because he said they gave beyond what they were able to give. In other words, they did without some things that they ne actually needed to help the gospel get forth. 
Who are the benefactors? Pastors and pastoral teams, community and missions and outreach. Helpful people are helpful wherever they go. God is calling us to help. These people are often found saying, how can I help? And they tend to look to serve wherever there's a noticeable need. Those are the people you ain't got to tell them something that needs to be done. Brother Dave knows I, I work like a horse all the time. That's, that's what I like to do. But some things, just like I do with my children, I purposely don't do. I sit there and watch. And I sit and watch how long we have a church full of men that's going to watch it not go done. And will continue to do it and say, oh, that needs to be fixed. Before somebody finally catches it and say, I need to fix that. <laughs> we don't have a lot of stuff. But God is calling us all to work. And when you are not serving, you are robbing yourself of joy. I've come to tell you that there is not a greater joy in the world than being able to be able to serve. To be able to use my gift to serve you and to preach and to teach and to come see you when you're sick, that's one of the best things in my life. I come alive when that happens. Lamarck saw me the other day and I didn't realize I was that tired. I worked all day long and I got off work and I, I laid on the bed and I said, oh, I'm almost late for Bible study. And I, I hopped up and I, I tried to run over and Lamarck looked at me and I didn't know I looked that bad. Lamarck said, you tired. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, yeah, I'm tired. But when I got up, he said, I, I noticed that you didn't seem like you were tired. Why? Because when I'm working in my gift and when I'm able to serve, there's something that empowers me on the inside, and I come alive and I find strength that I didn't even know I had. Some of us are missing out on blessings that we don't know are out there for us because we haven't found a place to serve. And the, what we'll say is, well, the pastor didn't give me anything to do. Well, if you have a gift, find something to do. It's not for the pastor all the time to find your gift. It's up to us. The Bible says, work out thy what? Own salvation with fear and trembling. If you want to serve, we'll find something for you to do. I'm not talking to this church. I'm talking at the church at large. I need to make that uh, clear because the church here does pretty well, and I'm grateful, but we all can do better. But I'm talking to those who might have pastors for which you will sit up and listen to us online while you not go serve your pastors in your local community. I say to you, that is wrong. God called you to Judea before he ever called you to Samaria and the other ends of the earth. You cannot sit and watch televangelists and give your money all to a televangelist. Nothing wrong with giving to them. And then ignore God's call for a local community church in your area. It's wrong. There are churches all over that are struggling and need resources. There are churches all over that are struggling and need prayer warriors and people to serve and people to work. And there are pastors that are tearing their head, hair out. You know how I know? Because I talk to them. And they, they just they have pastors' hearts and they love people. There are some good pastors out there. And they have members that come up and tell them how much they enjoy the favorite popular TV pastor and won't even say, good job, pastor. And they have people that will boastfully tell, I give to this ministry and I give to this ministry. But they won't tie to their own local congregation. It's wrong. I'm not talking to y'all. You don't have to get quiet. <laughs> I know all y'all doing right. I hope. But people are benefited when we work in our gifts. How can I help? What are blind spots for people like this? 
If you have this gift, you should be careful and keep people around you that can keep you guarded and balanced, and you have to guard your time. You know why? Because my mama used to tell me this. My mama said, you work too hard. You, you, you work yourself hard. And you know what? If, if you don't stop, you're going to kill yourself. And one day they're going to look, and they're going to look, and this was her words. I know it's not proper grammar, but in order to understand my mama, you'd have to know how she said it. They're going to look at your grave and say, look, we had us as a good pool. Let's go find another one. In other words, when people who have the gift of helps, people are very happy to sit back and watch you work. They're very happy to see things on the screen and the praise team doing stuff and say, I belong to this church and these things are going there at the same time without ever being able to contribute. And once again, I, I want, because of the tenor of this message, I want you to know I'm happy that this church is not doing that, but I'm encouraging you, if that is you in any way, that you pick it up a little bit. Everybody say, kick it up a notch. That you don't let everybody make you pull the loads. Sometimes it, we need to balance and prioritize. We're going to go over to the next gift, which is the gift of giving, because I don't want to run out of time. There's an old saying, and I wrote that down there, that the most sensitive nerve in the human body is the one that leads to the pocketbook. <laughs> i say that again. The most sensitive nerve in the human body is the one that leads to the pocketbook. And, and, and most times we say we love the Lord, but the Bible says that where your treasure is, there's your what? So if you serve, if, if your grocery bill, now you got to eat. I'm not being unrealistic. I'm being measured. But if you look and you do an honest assessment of your budget and at least some money is not coming to support a local fellowship wherever you serve, I don't really want to hear how much you love the Lord. Because he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And he's called us, not legalistically, but out of love to generosity that we need to support our local fellowships. I'm preaching for pastors all over the country right now that, that, may, that may hear this. I'm not just preaching to you guys, but for other people who may hear that it's our job to want to serve and to give. I never, you notice that we don't even talk about offering. We don't even really have, have an have a offering. And when I told Brother Dave when I got here I wanted to do that, I thought he was going to pass out. <laughs> I said, Brother Dave, I don't want an offering in the church. I want people to give because they're supposed to. And they love God. And they know what they need to do. And guess what? We don't have an offering in the church anymore. But our needs are being what? Now, I'm pretty sure if you talk today, there are quite a few other needs that need to be met. <laughs> there are some other things that we're doing. So if you can give, give graciously. Right now uh, in our church, we're working on something for our seniors to get a, a lift to go down those stairs. Um, to make it happen, we need a little bit more money. If you like to give to that, put your heart into it, give to it, because that's a way to serve the people that have served this church for a long time who want to be a part of the fellowship, and they can't get down those stairs. That's a blessing to give of yourself to that. That's something you want to consider. For someone with the gift of giving, the nerve of giving is never inflamed. As a matter of fact, although all believers are called to give generously, somebody with the supernatural gift of giving gives even beyond regular tithes and offerings and average. The people give generously, and as Romans 12 and 8 says, the word for gen generosity is this, haplotes. I probably butchered that word. Uh, I can ask Brother Bob later. He speaks kind of Greek and Macedonian. He'll tell me. It means simplicity without complication or folds. Literally means 
to give with a pure motive and a pure heart. That's why I love Corinthians where it says each man that gives should give as he is purposed in his heart to give, not out of compulsion. For God loves the cheerful giver. Your giving is an act of worship. When you give, you're not giving to the church. You're giving to God. The church is just the instrument you use to show your love. Lord, I love you for what you did, and I know this serves overall your overarching process, so I'm going to do my part. I make $1,000. Here's $100. I make $5,000. Here's $500. And, and as a matter of fact, God, you've been good to me. $500 is not enough. I make $5,000. I'm going to give you $500 plus another $250, whatever it is. I'm not, I don't tell people what to give. You have to come to that purpose with you and yourself and with the Lord. But I'm going to tell you where your treasure is, there your heart is. So ask yourself when you go home and look at your checkbook today, Lord, do you really have my heart? Somebody say it's in the book. I didn't write it. <laughs> but I did read it, amen. Who can benefit from this ministry and missions projects? Sometimes people are over the world and they need missions and things like that beyond your local giving to your local church. People that are underprivileged and just need a hand up sometimes, your local church. These people generally are uh, generous anonymous donors and they don't see themselves as possessors of the money. That's one of the key parts to being a good steward of giving. That's why we use the word stewardship. Why? We use, when we talk about biblical money, we don't ever use the word ownership. You know why? Because you don't own it. We are stewards, which means we manage what God has given us. Well, it's my money, and I can do what I know is not your money. Because if God stops you from breathing, you can't make it. Now, if you're in the world, you can do whatever you want. But if you're a, a believer, you've given yourself and said, God, you have every part of me, not just my heart, but my what? My wallet. So all of me belongs to you. So whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do, even if I don't feel like doing it. If you tell me to love people that hate me, I might not like it, but I'm going to do it. Why? Because, Lord, I'm going to do it till I like it because I love you and I'm going to obey you. If you tell me to give generously, I'm going to do it. Why? Because I'm going to do what you call me to do because in my obedience, my love is expressed. Somebody say express your love. That's why I put in that under blind spots, they must be able to steward the yes and no as well as they steward their finances. Because people who are generalist givers generally tend to be good stewards. They must be prayerful on what God has called in them to give to and must be constantly introspective of motives and not seek position or favoritism because of their generosity. In other words, don't give to jockey for position. And also, they must be careful not to be guilted into giving. Those are the people that, that come up and people say, the Lord is telling me if there's 5,000 people here that will give $100 and do that and, and, and this and that. If God's not speaking to you, don't you move. Now, if he is speaking to you, God may be working in that and he may move. But you have to test the spirits. That's where discernment is important, to see whether or not they are of God. God, is this you saying this or am I feeling just emotional? If this is you saying this, I've had things where I've been in situations where somebody said, the Lord has told me if these people will give this. And I did what I was prompted to out of the Lord. And God turned around and miraculously blessed that small seed that I gave. But I've had other times when people said that and God wasn't speaking to me to do it. And I didn't move. God is not trying to twist your arm. He wants your gift to be out of what? Love. It means better, more when it comes out of love. 
Best place is to plug in wherever the Holy Spirit leads to meet your financial and material needs. If you don't know what financial needs we have, talk to Brother Dave. I'm pretty sure he has a plethora of, of, of things that we could do <laughs> uh, to help and, and get things done. Missions and otherwise. Now, this last one I love. Everybody say faith. Now, faith is the supernatural ability to believe and agree in faith with God in seemingly impossible circumstances. We know the Bible has said each person is given what you call a measure of faith. You have to, when you come to God, you come what? To, through faith. The Bible says, and I believe in 1 John, those that come to God must first believe what? That he is. That's a faith transaction. Your salvation is a faith transaction. I believe what you said and I'm trusting in you and therefore there's a transaction that happens because of my faith. I don't have to pay anything but I am saved by grace through faith. So each believer has a certain a measure of faith that's there even when you don't feel like you're saved. You have faith and you have salvation through that and each person is given a measure. Each believer is called like the front of this pulpit said to walk by or to live by faith. A lot of people do, uh, have boring Christian lives because they never walk by faith. They always do the safe thing. They always do the thing that seems normal. But I've come to tell you that nothing is more exhilarating than to trust God and not know what lays for you on the other end. I'm going to tell you, and sometimes that's kind of scary when God says, I want you to pick up from everything you've ever known and go to a place that you've never seen, to a congregation of people that you don't know if they'll like you or if they want, but I'm calling you there and there's a blessing for you there, but you just got to trust me. It takes exceptional faith to do that, especially when things are going well. I, I, I myself was doing rather well where I was, and I, things were happy for us. And, and, and I'd open up a little company, had some other things going, and, and things were good. And I, if you know anything about me, I grew up in a house that was very poor and very diminished. People might have known as much that we were poor, but we didn't have anything. My mother was a single parent, and she worked. And, and when I worked, I worked myself up to a certain part, and I had just got to the point where I said, ah, life is good. And every week I would go out and I'd get seafood just because I could. Every weekend I had, we, we ate like kings on the weekend. And the kids would tell you, and it probably wasn't good for them, crawfish, uh, lobster, whatever you wanted. We were, we were just doing it up. I said, I've worked very hard, and I'm going to live it up. And all of a sudden my phone rang. And my brother talked to me, and he, he gave me some information. And while he was doing it, the Lord spoke into my spirit, you're going to Detroit. And I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> oh, no. No, Lord. You mean you talk to God like that? You do, too. You're just not honest enough about it. <laughs> Lord, things are good. I, things are great. I, 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 I finally worked to get to this part, Lord. We didn't have anything. We were poor. We didn't. We couldn't even afford to in the R. And now all of a sudden, things are starting to get good. And you mean you want them to pick up and leave everything I've ever known? And God has blessed us abundantly since. But there's nothing more exhilarating than walking out on faith. He might not call you to go a thousand miles away from your home, or to convince your wife to go well over a thousand miles from her, and to quit your jobs, not knowing if she'll find another job. And, and do all these other things. But guess what? He might call you just to start a little small ministry with two or three people that blesses you and blesses the church. But you got to have enough faith to believe and walk out on it even when it doesn't look like it's going to what? Happen. 
It says this. I like the way I, I wrote this and the Holy Spirit gave it to me. It says faith is the supernatural ability to agree in faith with, in, with God in seemingly impossible circumstances. There's somebody in the hospital right now that doesn't have enough faith. But people who have that kind of faith can believe for them and can pray for them. Praise report, Nita's doing pretty well. And they, 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 she's doing really well. And, and, and she looks really well. Uh, well to me and, and we're, we're still praying and believing with her but it takes some people when you are, I don't know if you've ever been in that place where you just don't have any faith have you ever been to a place where you can be honest and you say God I believe you exist but sometimes I'm having doubts and I'm drained and I really I don't have enough faith why does God give you that extra measure of faith he gives you more than you need because there's some people who are defeated and sometimes when they can't believe for themselves they need the faith that you have. Sometimes I, I, I made it over my mother's prayers. When I didn't have faith, I had my mother who had faith, and she was praying for me. You don't, don't think out of your own goodness that you're where you are. Do you not know that some of the reason that where you are, are and that the enemy did not take you out when he tried is because there were people that were praying for you when you didn't have faith enough to pray for yourself? People can benefit from people. Of faith. I'm going to read this and we're about done today. This is the supernatural ability to align with the will and word of God, which can produce supernatural results. In other words, faith is not foolishness. Faith is not just flying off the handle or doing weird things, but it is saying that if God said it, whether or not I believe it, that settles it. And if I feel the prompting of God, I'm going to believe his word. And if he tells me to do something, it's going to work within his will. God's not going to tell you to do something that's outside of his will. He's not going to tell you to tempt him and do foolish things for just to prove that he exists. But he will tell you to do some things that don't make natural sense. He'll tell you to make an ark or a boat when no, it's never rained. He'll ask you to do some things. you say, Lord, I don't understand why I'm doing this. I don't understand why you brought me to this place. I don't understand why you brought me to Detroit or the Royal Oak. I don't understand why you brought me to this church in particular. I don't know what my purpose is just, just for that. And, and but what you have to do is that's when your faith needs to kick in and say, Lord, I don't understand, but I trust. Somebody say, I don't understand, but I trust. Sometimes you can't see the same thing. What you see depends on where you sit. Brother Dave and I can both look at, at the stuff over there, but it looks different because we're sitting in different places. God sits in a different place than we do, and he can see things that we can't see. I remember Dr. Chuck Missler, I believe it was, that was explaining some things about how God looks, and he says it's as if you were on the road and you were looking at a parade and you're on the corner and you see a band coming down, and he says that you can only see the drum major and the people that are at the front of the band, and so although they're there, you can't see them because your perspective is too limited. But if you were in a helicopter up above, you'd be in a different perspective, and you could see not just the front, of the parade but the end of the parade and it will make more sense to you you have to trust that sometimes you're on the corner and God's up looking down at the entire parade he sees your beginning before your ending he, you might not understand why you're at the place you're at you might not understand the transition in your life but that's simply because you're sitting on the corner and God 
God sitting up above, and he sees the ending and the beginning at the same time. And so though all you might not know, you have to trust and have faith that God, I believe, nobody in this church, Somebody needs to hear this. It's not here by accident. You didn't come here just because you felt like it. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't a coincidence. It is the providence of God. You're here because God wants you here. You're listening to this because God wants you to listen to this. You are not here by accident. You are here by intent. You are here because God designed you to be here. You're here because God has a purpose for you. You're here because God is not through with you yet. You are here because you need to hear that message of faith that it be building up. Hallelujah. Now faith cometh. By hearing and hearing the word of God, I've come to tell you that God wants you to increase your faith. Fill yourself with the word of God. Fill yourself with faith. Have faith to believe whatsoever your heart desires when you pray. Believe that you shall receive it and you shall have it. Begin to increase your faith. Surround yourself around with people who are faith-filled people. Who can believe things that you can't believe? I, I close with this. I was a young boy. I was 19 years old. And uh, I was playing the keyboard. I was playing at a bunch of different churches. I walked in to fill in for one Sunday. And this man, I thought he was a strange man. It was this old little rinky-dink church. He walks in, and he stops, and he says, oh, Jesus. I looked up. He said, he said you part of my vision. And he says, and God's going to use you as a musician here, and God's going to bless the house, and the Lord's going to build a church, and it's going to be right outside this window, and we're going to put a sign up that said, built in honor of our God. This was a small congregation. And I looked out the window, and there was just grass up there, and in my mind, I ain't saying nothing. I said, what's wrong with this man? And he looked at uh, one of the ministers at the time, and he said, Rev. Marker, do you see it? And Rev. Marker said, Pastor, if you see it, I see it. I said, Oh, this is my last Sunday here. They crazy here. Uh, <laughs> because they didn't have a large congregation. But somehow I found myself staying at that church that didn't look likely to be able to bless anybody. They were a small church. Not good resources. But they were a faithful church. And I watched God as that man finally told me we can't afford to pay you what, what you're worth and for some reason I don't know why I told him yeah but I'll stay and play and I started to play for almost free but through that I got to go to Africa and do missionary work and don't you know after a while he said the Lord said it's time to build this house and I looked around I said we don't have that many more people how how we gonna do this he said God's gonna do it and I was I was young and I got to sit and I got to watch him and he said Somebody's going to give me some blueprints. And don't you know, somebody gave him some blueprints. It was $10,000 for the blueprints. And, and he had a friend that gave him the blueprints. And he said, God's going to build this house and God's going to build the building. And they said, there's no way you can build the building you're trying to build for under this exorbitant amount of money. He said, I know what God told me and God's going to do it. And all of a sudden he called and somebody from Alabama said, hey, we'll put up a steel building for you. And it cost a fraction of what it was supposed to, supposed to do. And he wouldn't stop walking. And before you know it, he said, it's going to be expensive. He said, I'm going to keep looking because the Lord 
Lord told me we're going to build this house. And before you know it, some guy out of the blue brought this nice plush carpet. And he said, the Lord's going to keep building this house. And after a while, the foundation became to go. And after a while, the walls began to go up at that same little church. And before long, when you looked around, there was a church. And I, it never dawned on me again until one day there was a big sign up on top of the church. And I was helping put up the sign. And I looked up to read the sign. And guess what it said? It said, built in honor of our God. Faith will take you places that you never thought that you would go. That pastor is like a father to me. He'll never know how much he means to me and how much he taught me about leadership and about faith. Had two huge buses, touring buses that he would take over and all sorts of things that a congregation SI should not have been able to do. But he knew how to walk by faith. He was a good steward. He, he wasn't just foolish. He would budget and he would do the right things. But in between that, he said, if I do the right things, he'd always say, if you handle God's business, God will handle yours. And I watched God do exceed. If you go right now to Risen, Mississippi, you'll see a building that's worth probably about $2 million that see 750 plus people built over there with a congregation that wasn't that large and at night you can see across the field this big sign that said built in honor of our God I've come to tell you that if you have the faith to believe God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ever ask or think but you got to have the faith to believe If you don't have that faith, because somebody says, but I don't have it. I hear you. Don't know how I hear you, but I hear you. You got to be like the man with Jesus. He says, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Yeah, I really did hear you. Who is he talking to? Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. As I open up today, and open this altar and bring Brother David. I want you to be praying about where it is, God, that I can serve more, where I can do more, not just because the church needs you, because I want to bless you, because there is no greater fulfillment than allowing the Lord to use you. There's a saying that says there's two great parts on earth. The two best days on earth is the day you're created and the day you figure out why. Explore with us these next weeks and walk in what God has called you to do. Praise the Lord. Amen. You know, if you take uh, <clears throat> your hair dryer to Europe, 